welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. The Detroit Red Wings, the Pittsburgh Penguins, and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Brad, what do all three of those things have in common? The same amount of 2019 playoff victories. The same amount of playoff victories. <laughs> Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Today will be an exercise in sadism. I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm confused. <laughs> what is going on in these playoffs? We would do our whole intro of you know just talking about different stuff, shooting the shoot, talking about our days, our lives, before getting into hockey. But hockey has been so chaotic that we actually just want to jump right into this with you. Um, the series everyone wants to talk about most, obviously, Nashville and Dallas. No, I'm kidding. Um, Columbus sweeping Tampa Bay. We couldn't do that one justice without bringing in the consummate professional, returning guest star on the Winged Wheel podcast, Allison Lucan. Tune in to the interview. I want to point something out here. We booked this interview with Allison two weeks ago. We knew this was coming. <laughs> we knew it. <laughs> and we addressed that in a way. Tune in and enjoy. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here with us today is uh, our best timed interview ever. I'm not sure if I said, I've said that before, uh, but Allison Lucan of The Athletic, all the way in Columbus. Allison, thank you for joining us at this very <laughs> special moment. <laughs> you know I love talking to you guys. I'm happy to join. So I'm going to be honest with you here. Uh, Brad and I have something to admit. Um, when we, we've been planning to ask you to come back for a long time now and, and things have been crazy in Columbus, obviously after the trade deadline. And then as the playoffs, a week before the playoffs, uh, we looked at each other and we said, we have to get Allison on quick cause that series is going to be over fast. <laughs> <laughs> and we want it to still be relevant. And we were right. And we, were... <laughs> um, so just basic question here. What's it like in Columbus right now? I, you know, it's it's honestly a quiet and strangely confident insanity. Um, I'll be honest. I'm with you. I did not. I thought it would be great if the Jackets could win a game in this series. When you looked at the looked at what was going to happen on paper, um, but the team had other plans. And it, it's funny, you know. Usually, and, and I think fan bases who have had a lot of negative moments in the franchise history, they tend to be fatalistic. Um, but this series, I was the one kind of being like, guys, I don't know, whereas the fan base just believed. And you saw that in game four when the lightning tied it up. And instead of the crowd kind of going, oh, no, and kind of clenching and getting nervous and quiet, the entire 19,000 people stood up and cheered and started waving their rally towels. And wouldn't you know it, the Jackets go right down the ice and less than a minute later score the game winner. So it, it, is, it is unreal what this team has done in terms of instilling belief and, and quite frankly, total excitement um, in the city. It's really cool. Yeah, they've come a long way from uh, you know Red Wings traveling and dominating the crowd over there. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, you actually wrote an article, I believe it was after game three on the athletic, um, which I, for all the listeners, I can't recommend enough that you, you go and read Allison's article. We're going to talk about it here, but please go read it. And it went into, uh, some pretty great detail and illustration actually as to the systems that were deployed specifically 
to counter Tampa Bay's play and basically what kind of locked them up all series. Could you kind of walk us through that? Sure, absolutely. It was, um, it, you know, I think the first game people kind of thought, oh, well, Tampa just kind of got surprised, but they're going to come back and beat Tampa. And as the series went on, what you saw was that Tampa could not be Tampa. And what Tampa is, is obviously a very talented offensive team that moves with speed and with effective passing, particularly off the stick of Victor Hedman, through the three zones into the offensive zone. So basically what the Jackets did as their counterattack is they employed a one, two, two, four check, which is not revolutionary. It's not like there aren't literally thousands of teams <laughs> up and down all levels of hockey doing this. But what it does is it establishes layers of defense primarily in the neutral zone. So both blue lines and the red line to basically say thou shalt not pass um, with a very aggressive forward one or F1, if, if folks use those terms a lot, um, to really challenge from the get-go, the minute the puck gets on an opponent's stick. And there were some tenants that the Jackets really wanted to keep in mind. They always wanted to be above the puck. And the players really talked about that. They wanted the Lightning to feel like the minute they got the puck, if they looked up what they saw was Jackets challenging. Because the Jackets couldn't keep up with the Lightning's speed. Um, and they would certainly be challenged by the Lightning's offensive talent should the Lightning get into the offensive zone. So their whole goal was to keep them as much as possible out of the offensive zone by forcing them to work through those layers in ways they weren't used to. They couldn't skate through. They couldn't make a long leading pass. They couldn't make the passes along the boards that they were used to and then really trapping them in that neutral zone. And when we looked at the data, the Jackets even gave up the zone exit, so getting out of the defensive zone, but they reduced the Lightning's ability to get into the offensive zone by over 10% compared to what the Lightning was doing in the regular season. And so the, if you can't get in the offensive zone, it sure is a lot harder to score. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, the Red Wings have the similar problem of not being able to get into the offensive zone, but that had nothing to do with the <laughs> opponents. <laughs> so my favorite um, analogy that I'm going to make about this playoff run is now the Columbus Blue Jackets are basically the Jamie Lannister of <laughs> the playoffs because they're the King Slayers. So, to, <laughs> so there's the first Game of Thrones reference. Um, would you consider at this point, given what Columbus has done, are they the favorite as backwards as that sounds to come out of the East? It's a really interesting question. Um, and I've talked with some folks around the league um, about that in these past two days. I don't know that they're the favorite yet, particularly because with all due respect, I think that should Boston win out, I think that's going to be the hardest road um, of the teams remaining. The Metro just hasn't been as strong this year as it has been in other years. It's still really tough. Um, but I also think that the Jackets have to prove that this wasn't some weird fluke, right? So they're going to have to come out strong in game one of round two, whoever their opponent is, and they're going to have to show that they can stay mentally focused because they were the last team into the playoffs, but they were the first team to clinch round one. And that's really good for rest and getting healthy, but I'm really curious and interested to see how they respond mentally because they can't play the next day because they're ready to go. That is all going to be washed away. Um, I think if they win one of the first two games of round two, then we can start to have that conversation. So one thing, because I know you used a key word there and you said to make sure it wasn't a fluke. 
And there's been a lot of people online who have been quick to point out that, yes, nobody expected Columbus to sweep Tampa, but maybe them beating Tampa wasn't as far-fetched because obviously they loaded up at the deadline. That was very well publicized. But they went into the playoffs hot. They it was they were what seven and one or seven and two yep. to finish out the regular season. Yep, seven and one. Yeah. So, given that, branching off back to the deadline, what would you think Yarmo Kekalainen would consider a successful deadline? Is it already a success, or does Tampa, or does Columbus have to win another round or two in order to justify the moves he made? Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. It's and unfortunately it's not an easy answer because I think there are a couple different aspects of it. There's the straight business aspect, which matters, which is a second round brings more money for the organization, which is huge in a small market. Um so in this sense I do think it's a win because this is more than has ever happened for this organization from a business perspective. From a team perspective, I mean of course every front office wants to win the cup. Um, I personally have always said, I think a second round win would completely justify the moves. Um, but I would be willing to hear out that a competitive second round could also make that case. And then the, the third layer where, where I'm really most interested is what happens this off season, because there's four UFAs four big time UFAs, um, if they lose all four, I think that that weighs against anything they're doing in this playoff series. Um, unless they win the cup, I think losing all four RFAs after this is is it's not a total loss, but I think it's a little bit more on the negative side of neutral. Um, if one or two sign, that then it's completely a win across the board. Now, bringing it back to to the happy spots, because I think um, <laughs> Columbus should just enjoy the moment that they're in. Um, John Tortorella, um, it, a lot of people have been referring to him as the single biggest difference maker in that series. And, and it all kind of has been boiling down to one move, which was keeping Sergei Bobrovsky in after the first period. After letting in those three goals, uh, he made the, the choice to not go with Corpusalo to start the second and then, and Bobrovsky, by all rights, was you know on the ropes. Tampa was was one shot away from sending him sailing. Um, how big was that move for for Bobrovsky's confidence, and was there a, a switch that was flipped for him from then on? Yeah, I, I definitely think there was a switch flipped, and I I honestly think that the work was done within the room um, in terms of getting that switch flipped. You know, now that the series is over, this is when guys will start to talk a little bit more about that. And, and, you know, there was a real, there wasn't even necessarily a panic, but there was a real frustration after the first period. Like, are you kidding me? Like this, as, as Nick Foligno said to me, the slate is blank. Like the regular season record is off the table. Like, why are we buying into this whole thing that we can't play against these guys? Um, but yeah, I agree. I mean, I think everyone was, was watching to see which goaltender led that team out onto the ice. And, Bobrovsky staying in, he makes a huge save on Kucherov early in the second when they're on the power play. Um, and I think that for this team, they know what has happened with Bobrovsky in the playoffs. And to see him regain his confidence and composure gave them that extra push to say, okay, we can be composed and confident. Let's roll with the game plan. So there's one team from the last decade that right now Columbus really reminds me of. And I just want to hear if you're on the same train as me. So a team 
that kind of underperformed, not underperformed, but wasn't performing up to their level before the deadline, makes some key moves at the deadline, gets really hot towards the end of the regular season, comes into the playoffs as an eighth seed, and then knocks off the President's Trophy uh, champion pretty definitively in the first round. And the other team that did that was the 2012 LA Kings. Is that a, <laughs> is that a comparison that's being thrown around Columbus a lot right now? Well, you know it's not because a key part of those deadline moves was Jeff Carter leaving Columbus to go to LA. <laughs> I wasn't going to so, bring up the negative part of that, but uh, it's there. So, so um, and and I mean, right or wrong, I really think that's why. <laughs> um, but I get it. Um, but uh, you know, it, it's I don't know. This team feels a little different um, because I think that this team even before the deadline moves had some pretty high expectations around it. And I think, again, a smaller market team that has not performed well a lot in the postseason comes by the fact, honestly, that people don't know a lot about them, but there's, there's real talent on this team. Seth Jones, Zach Wierenski, Cam Atkinson has 41 goals in the regular season. It's insane. Um, I, I think the team had a, better start even before the deadline in terms of what they could be um, maybe even than that Kings team um, Allison the we have uh, some questions we, that came in from Patreon and filtering out uh, some of them that would be a little redundant there's one I want to ask uh, oh boy uh, well, there's actually a couple that are good here, and I, I do want to talk about John Evans first, who is from Ohio. Uh, I do, admittedly, as as someone who's born right across the river from Michigan, take a lot of jabs at Ohio. I'll, I'll own that with you here. Um, <laughs> and there's no one ever to defend it. So John says, hello, Allison. Love the way you represent our city. What's the best way to describe Ohio to some unnamed jerks in Kitchener that like to make fun of it? Oh, that well, I, you know what? I will actually invoke the words of my husband, um, who grew up in Pennsylvania, northeastern Pennsylvania. Uh, he and I met when we were living in D.C., um, and obviously he uh, came back to Columbus with me when I chose to move back. And he describes it as it's a great place to live. It's not a great place that people think to visit. And I think that describes Columbus. It's a community. It is smart, it is passionate, it is loyal, but it doesn't have the big time flash that's going to draw you to it. But once you get here and kind of put your feet in the grass, if you will, and kind of soak it up a little bit, um, it has so much. It has so much for so many different kind of people um, that I think a lot of people can find a fit here. Um, it has all four seasons, which I think is important. <laughs> and uh, it, it, it really is, it, it really is, it's a it's becoming a big city with still that small town feel. Now, we were talking before the, the show about Game of Thrones. I know Brad made a reference earlier. Um, and I asked you a question, which I realized I should have just asked you on air. You're uh, an avid reader of the books uh, you mentioned. Yes. So before this series, if, if Ryan was to ask Allison, what would come first? The Winds of Winter being written and published or a Columbus Blue Jackets sweep of the Tampa Bay Lightning? What would you have said? Winds of winter, hands down, man, <laughs> hands down. I had a whole list of things I thought I'd be doing next week, and covering hockey admittedly was not one of them. <laughs> so, uh, no, definitely I would. And and good for this team, man. Like, they stuck it to a whole lot of people. Good, good. I'm, well, I'm happy that they stuck it to the Lightning because from a selfish standpoint, I want to see more chaos 
in the playoffs yeah. and at the trade deadline, and Columbus is my champion now. They are oh, yeah. my mountain, if you would. Yeah, I mean, I, I and listen, I t- even aside from the fact that I cover this team, I completely agree with you there. I think that if the Jackets couldn't make some noise, we would just see more and more conservative moves at the deadline. And that's no fun. I mean, that's no fun for fans. That's no fun for media. So I'm all for bold, crazy moves like Yarmo Kekalainen made. So more power to him. Let 30 other teams start to do this stuff too. Okay, now we have one more. It's it's kind of a cluster question, and this is the big kahuna. This is our very serious one. Uh, okay. We're going to throw some Game of Thrones characters at you. And, oh, boy. Uh, we want to you to do your best. We'll work with you here uh, okay. to draw parallels. Players, teams, management, what have you, uh, to these characters. So we'll start with, uh, oh, man. We'll start with a kind of a sad one. Eddard Stark. Ned Stark. Who would oh. be Ned? On the Blue Jackets? Well, anyone in the NHL. No, let's, let's stick to Columbus, past or present. Oh, okay. man. Who would be Ned? You know who's Ned Stark? Rick Nash. Rick Nash Ned was Stark. just going to say. <laughs> Poor Rick Poor Nash. Poor Rick Nash. <laughs> I bet he's happy watching this, though. I really do. Yeah, No, and he's he's actually with the organization. He's He doesn't have a formal role, but he's been oh. um, in conversations with the front office. He's He's been hanging out with them. Uh, that's too casual a term, but they've been working with him a little bit. I think they're eventually going to try and find a, a formal spot for him, which I think would be just a fantastic chapter to the story for both him and the organization that's that that actually makes me really happy to hear uh liana mormont is she that that rookie his name is escaping me it starts with the oh alexander tessier yeah yeah. that has to be him right uh no (laughs) let's see leanne i love her um so it has to be someone young exactly and it has to be someone dominant i warensky um, I, you know, I, Seth Jones is actually younger than we remember. This I, I'm going to say Seth Jones because he has the attitude for it. I'm yeah, going to okay. say Seth Jones. Um, who would you compare Nick Foligno to? Oh, no. Um, <laughs> Nick. I fear that whoever I compare him to is someone who's died. Um, <laughs> well, Jon Snow everyone, technically has died. Well, yeah, but uh, but John Snow is too like conflicted. Like I don't know, he's too moody. Um, <laughs> Nick Foligno. <sighs> yeah, John is moody. He's he's so yeah. Harry Potter. Yeah, exactly. Just constantly I, moaning about everything. Maybe he. Well, the only thing I don't like about Jamie Lannister is that you know it's this redemption story. But if we take the current Jamie Lannister, maybe that's who Nick. Foley yeah, is. current Jamie. I'm I'm okay with that. Maybe as yeah. as the playoffs go on, Allison, we'll keep uh, throwing these questions for you on Twitter. I like this. This is fun. I oh yeah. Like it. it's good. Okay. So yeah, yeah. Cersei Lannister. Artemi Panarin. Oh, that's <laughs> good. Yeah, that's Shuck. really good. Under the bus. Yeah. <laughs> that way i mean it's just but that's my that's that's who i pick no it's not a negative thing that's just who i pick that is the best answer for that uh bran slash the current three-eyed raven zach Wierenski. all right yeah there is do we have to start a gofundme to build a ramp for him to get him out of the courtyard <laughs> no i again I th- it, it is a personality fit and it's that kind of like stealthy super weapon um, smart guy. That yeah, that's why. Does is Bobrovsky varies? Who's Bobrovsky? Someone who's 
incredibly useful, but maybe not so well liked right now. Tyrion. Tyrion. I know. I was just, but, but, um, but, I, hmm. Yeah, but, but Brofsky could be Tyrion. That's fine. Yeah. That, that'll work. And uh, last one for you. Who is Columbus's mountain? Josh Anderson. Oh, that's good. Yeah, Josh Anderson scored on Detroit in the first uh, game of this year. It was the first goal of the, no, second goal of the season. Was it the second? Yep. Yeah, Panarin. I think it was the second. Yeah, Atkinson. I just tracked that game. I think yeah. Atkinson scored the first goal. Chalosky tied it. Anderson took the lead back, if I'm remembering right. Something like <laughs> not that. that we have that seared into our brain. No, <laughs> no. Yeah, I was I was in the 17th row, four beers deep at that Aww. point. So the memory's fuzzy. <laughs> Now, Allison, uh, we're going to bring it back to hockey. Just for one more quick question before we let you go. Um, For people who have been on hockey Twitter lately, uh, there's been comments that have been made uh, regarding the usefulness or effectiveness of the analytics community in hockey. Oh, boy. And they've been using Columbus as a soapbox in some ways. And and I'm not going to present this this comment objectively because I have a complete bias. Sure. But I, I, I don't even consider it a bias because I consider the statements foolish, but I digress. Um, how do you, as someone who doesn't know too much about it, not you, but if you're right, an outside right. observer, um, how do you reconcile what analytics is presenting to you and saying and the fact that Columbus just swept one of the greatest teams in modern NHL history? So I think, um, I actually think there is a real answer here. And what's interesting is if people... If people recall, and again, I know this is maybe not a series that that the average hockey fan paid a lot of attention to, but two years ago, um, the Penguins beat Columbus, and the Columbus outshot the Penguins. And what people don't remember, and there were a couple of us just banging, trying to bang the the, the floorboards to make people pay attention. John Tortorella kept talking about scoring chances and not shots. It was about scoring chances and not shots. And so what Columbus did, and we talked about that whole four check thing, analytically, if you look at it, Columbus gave Tampa Bay all kinds of shots, but they weren't good shots. They had a ton of misses. Their shots were not from the dangerous areas. If they were from the dangerous areas, it was coming late in games when score effects take hold or particularly that fourth game when, I mean, obviously Tampa Bay is the desperate team and Columbus is just looking to lock it down and just prevent and not create. Um, But if you look at measures of quality, Columbus would win out. Um, And then I would say also that, you know, analytics helps drive strategy. And so we saw the strategy work for Columbus. And then the final thing is, honestly, it's a set. It's it's supposed to be a seven game series. This was a four game series. And that's a ridiculous sample size. Like when I was, Looking at the four checking data, one game could change the entry and exit percentages by a significant amount. And and that's the reality of such a small sample size. So sure, maybe the analytics don't match up with exactly what they're supposed to, but that's because they're not supposed to with that little of ice time. Mm-hmm. Now, for the for our listeners, I can't recommend it enough. Allison, your your article was such a great not introduction, but just kind of uh, microcosm of what the analytics community is doing. It was ex- it was not dumbed down, but it was accessible, and that's what I loved about it. I actually sent it to a couple of friends of mine uh, who really wanted to kind of get more into hockey analytics. For so for any listeners, Aww. 
check out Allison's article. It really, really does a fantastic job of it. And it's relevant right now because Columbus is moving on. Allison, you're going to be a busy woman over the next few months. Uh, that won't stop us from harassing you on Twitter. But thank you so much for coming back on the show. It was great having you. Oh, my gosh. I love talking to you guys and always feel free to harass away. It's fun to chat hockey and, and you guys are the best. And we have fun on Twitter, too. So please keep that going. Oh, absolutely. Here's to a conversation in June, maybe. <laughs> so if, if we can, that'd be fantastic. But I'm, I'm over here, my conservative self, but that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Allison Lucan, everyone. Thank you. And that was Allison Lucan of The Athletic in Columbus, who's going to be busy unexpectedly. <laughs> she has to cancel some travel plans. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. And she's got, well, the good news is the fact that they swept them. She's now going to have some time to dive into the analytics of who's going to win between Winterfell and the White Walkers. <laughs> it's too, it's too lopsided. Can they do it again? Can they, but like off? she talked about quality of shot versus quantity. Yeah. They just have to make sure the, the Winterfell has to make sure it stays above the play and frustrate the talent. Uh, they have to focus on the White Walkers, not the Whites. You they know? need the high ground. Then they'll yeah. have an assured victory. The Night King's going to do what the Night King does. And it's like playing Connor McDavid. You're not going to stop him. You just try to jam him up as best you can, but focus on freezing the White Walkers and in removing his outlets you gotta you gotta frustrate him also you have to deal with the ice dragon and the fact that it's almost impossible to kill them and but but there's always that unsung hero who emerges to play the hero i'm just saying the first person to successfully kill a white walker was samuel tarley that's right i'm just saying he's the the key to the north so do you think that they would need a last-minute addition? Like, we are getting a last-minute addition right now to the Winged Wheel podcast entering the show. Evan! <laughs> well, take a seat, man. Walk into the camera. <laughs> we uh, we are now a full cohort. Evan Lopsinger is here, ladies Hello. and gentlemen. <laughs> so I... Uh... I bought the Tiger Mugshot t-shirt. Did you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> After the crowning achievement, which really signified his return from his fall from grace, you bought a t-shirt signifying the rock bottom yeah, of his funny. career. It's, <laughs> it's all about the dichotomy, Ryan. It's it's all about the memes, really. This really? is why we're here. Between Tiger coming back, Game of Thrones, and Tampa, what a Sunday. Tampa Bay being swept, has the meme economy ever been better? We are truly booming I right don't, now. I don't think so. No, it is... Free folk on Reddit and don't go there if you don't like spoilers is booming right now. Yeah, as the best place on the internet. Yeah, we as a podcast don't generally donate to any causes unless we feel truly invested in the cause. But even we had to go to the GoFundMe to help build Brand his ramp. <laughs> Brad's not serious, but it's a hysterical. Is that, that's like a fake GoFundMe, right? People aren't actually. Donating. Yeah, I think it was just a Photoshop. I don't yeah. think it actually existed. But Brand's got to get out of the courtyard somehow. Apparently, it was pirated 55 million times in yeah. the first episode. <laughs> Do you think HBO execs sit there and say, I wonder how we can get more, make more money from this? Make it accessible to everyone? No, I don't think that's it. What did they say it costs? Like 10 million bucks for the season or an episode or I something? I think it's per episode. Imagine, so 55 million people pirated it. How about you offer it at 50 cents? Doubled your cost for the episode. I don't understand. Just it. be like on our website, fifty cents per episode or a dollar. There you go, fifty-five million bucks extra. Yeah, I think they could charge 
honestly five dollars an episode oh yeah considering people just go to other people's houses and stuff yeah yeah yeah. things Uh, we do to save five bucks well you missed the interview with uh allison yeah it was great you'll have to go back and listen yep uh the rest of the playoffs pittsburgh penguins were swept yeah the, not not as surprising, no, but surprising. No, I I, I had uh, I, the Islanders getting past Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh right now, and someone pointing this out, they're about to enter their Detroit Red Wings phase. Very obviously, I, they are coming off of a series of success, much more success than Detroit was coming off of, mind you. Um, three Stanley Cups within their window, and they somehow have moved away from the talent that brought them those cups and have committed to aging slow players around Crosby and Malkin and Kessel um, and they're kind of jammed up they've traded a lot of assets that you would need to kind of retool or rebuild within this window I genuinely think this is uh, a harbinger or a harbinger of I actually don't know how that word's pronounced I realize harbinger Har- I think, harbinger I think it's Har- it's a B Harb- it's harbinger yeah I think people pronounce it both hmm. not with the V but bad times harbinger. to come is what I'm trying to say for yeah. Pittsburgh uh, yeah well they have their first round pick this year um, they don't have a second or a third, but they have the first. No, I sure hope they hit on that. Well, I mean, I don't, but they, they're they going to have a lot of work to do, and I'm not sure. It's funny because when, when Rutherford got hired, I thought, ah, he hasn't really done what Pittsburgh, the kind of thing that Pittsburgh needs. And then he went and won two more cups with them, and so I was completely wrong. But I don't know if he'll be able to do what Pittsburgh needs to get out of this funk quick in time for Crosby and Malkin's window. He did what he needed to do. Um, he's been in the all-in mode. Which you should be as as, when you have Latang, Kessel, Malkin, and Crosby on your roster, you're in win now mode until deemed otherwise. Yeah, but who did he? He traded a first round pick for. Oh, he hasn't made good moves. He's had the right mindset because he's still got four more years left of Jack Johnson and Eric Goodbranson. Yeah, imagine you. Okay, you know what? Credit to Eric Goodbranson. He was less awful. Than anticipated in that series, he was hardly the problem. Yes, he has been held to yeah, the. But if Jonathan... you're not the solution, you're kind of part of the problem. Yes. Uh, no, we don't really subscribe to that in Detroit. Okay. Now, <laughs> now saying Eric's uh, Goodbranson was better than expected. We are now holding him to the bar that has been set by Jonathan Erickson. Better yes. than expected than what? <laughs> than <laughs> Jonathan Erickson. <laughs> Goodbranson being literally the worst player in the league by like the true replacement level player like you could accidentally dress in place of eric branson and probably measure better in some ways just give me like a week and a half for my beard yeah also i think he has some height on you yeah he's tall yeah i've met eric branson in person he's a monster now tampa bay actually i'm going to jump back to tampa bay what do they do in the offseason besides push out stevie Nothing. They are going to try and unload some bad contracts so that they can keep Braden Point and one of their defensemen. Because I think Strawman, Girardi, Coburn are all UFAs. And obviously Braden Point needs his new contract. So my guess is they're going to see if they can what they can do to shed salary cap with the Alex Kalorns, Andre Palats, Ryan Callahan's of the world to free up. They don't... Because you're not going to trade... Any of your big guns, you're not going to trade Vasilevsky, you're not going to trade Hedman, you're not trading McDonough. This Uh, is just going to be tweaking. Now, Callahan is a buyout candidate, or they could trade him to a team that is looking to take on some bad contracts. Hello, Ottawa. Detroit. If Detroit wants to be real about what they are next year. This is true, but my fear would be, yes, I would happily take on Ryan 
Orion Callahan's full five point whatever million cap hit next year if I wasn't so concerned that he would play on the first line all year. <laughs> and that he would be re-signed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That happens quite a bit. Oh, we liked him, but we re-signed him for a million less. No, stop doing that. Um, we'll talk about Prashant's article later, actually. Um, yeah, Tampa Bay, things went terribly for them. I don't, I'm not a huge fan of how off the hook John Cooper has been. I don't think he's a bad coach and I don't think he should be fired. I want to get that out of the way. But he was so severely outcoached by John Tortorella. It is absolutely mind blowing. When we talked about the systems that they deployed and when we had Allison explain them, what she said was correct. This isn't a revolutionary thing that they did. The neutral zone trap is legitimately one of the most recognized tactics if you ask the most casual of hockey fans. The fact that Tampa Bay, a team loaded with talent, couldn't get around that is absolutely mind-blowing. It was not hard to see what was happening. Yeah, the the ultra-aggressive forecheck isn't new. Like The Detri- the Red Wings employ the 2-1-2, so where they have two four checkers going in and going balls to the wall and they've had moderate success with it most teams are doing a clogging the neutral zone with three to four players and sending someone into the zone just at a million miles an hour this should not have caught tampa off guard no no and the the fact that they were missing kucherov due to his own boneheadedness for one game stamkos was playing with a pretty significant shoulder injury it's believed uh, which would actually explain a lot about why he just kind of dropped off a cliff. Uh, Headman was n- either not there or injured. Yeah, oh, he, that was, all he was very injured for the two games he played. Uh, I was I was talking to Adam Lascaris actually, and he he made a great point. Vasilevsky put up something like an eight fifty or something like that save percentage. You need better than that. You genuinely need better than that. You're not going to win playoff series putting up a sub nine hundred save percentage. You're not going to win a playoff series putting up a nine hundred five. Look what's happening in, in San Jose right now. Yeah, but it's, you're. This was a huge, as much as it, not as much as it, as it was an accomplishment from Columbus, because nothing can take away from that for them. It was a huge, huge disappointment on nearly every facet of the Tampa Bay Lightning. So circling back to the original point, they're not going to change anything. No, you don't do anything. Because what happened with the last team in the NHL that won 62 games? They didn't get swept in the first round, but they got upset before the cup finals in the playoffs, which was the 95-96 Detroit Red Wings. Then what happened in the 96-97 season? They came back with less expectation and won the Stanley Cup. Yeah. So I do not... Back-to-back Stanley Cups, actually. So I do not think Tampa's going to panic, nor should they. Hell, if you want to go more recent than the 90s, look at Washington. Yeah. Look how long it took them to get there. Absolutely. But they got there. We we talk so much about windows and primes and everything. We get obsessed with like these these precise times to strike and these pre- precise times to load the gun and, and take your shot. Um, and it's good to to have that you know critical analysis of, of when would be the best time to to take that theoretical shot. But you have to remember these hockey players are good even though they're not twenty four or twenty six or twenty eight anymore. Tampa Bay has one of the best cores hockey has seen and will see for some time. They'll be Stanley Cup favorites next year, plain and simple. Oh yeah, right now unless I'm pretty comfortable in saying unless something dramatic happens in the offseason oh. to another team, I'm going to pick them to win the cup next year too. You you actually have to. It's yeah. not if and if you're thinking no, something has to change just like in terms of the, the circumstances of this and, and the character of what happened to quote stupidly what Pierre Maguire said. Think about it this way. You're a fan of a bad team in Ottawa, uh, Buffalo, Detroit. I just named three Atlantic teams. Oh, my God. Um, 
if you could swap your entire roster right now with the Tampa Bay Lightning, management and all, would you do it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. 100%. In half a heartbeat. They'll be fine. They'll absolutely yep. be fine. This is devastating. It's the worst upset in NHL history, and they'll have to live with that forever. That was going to be my next question. Is this the yes. biggest upset in NHL history? Because there's, there's been some doozies. The the 91 stars taking out the President's Trophy Hawks. There was, I forget the exact year, early 80s, the LA Kings who had literally half the amount of wins as the Edmonton Oilers taking them out. Mind you, that was only a five-game series. Uh, the 72. Two, 71 or 72 Canadians taking out the powerhouse Bruins. There's some candidates in there. Hell, the 03 Ducks taking out the Red Wings in a sweep. There's uh, a lot of good candidates, but man. The Stanley Cup Finals, and I think the 50s or 60s where the Leafs came back from 3 nothing down against Detroit to win the Cup. But that's not an upset. The Leafs were a good team that year. No, no, and that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I don't, in terms of like David versus Goliath, this shouldn't have happened. There's absolutely no way in a million years yet. I don't think anything can come close to this. So, cause, well, here's the catch-22. When when you look at the the North Stars teams and the, the Kings teams that did it way back when, those were objectively awful teams. Those were teams that finished in the 60s for points. Could you imagine making the playoffs with 68 points nowadays? Those are truly bad teams that just got hot at the right point. Columbus was not a bad team. They were a 98-point team that loaded up at the deadline and got better. Dom Lucician's model had them at as one of the third, like the third or fourth best team, either in the East or in the entire league, going into the trade deadline. And then they got Duchesne and yeah. Um, so you can sit there and say, yeah, Tampa out of all comparing them to all the other teams I compared them to. Yes, this Tampa team was the most dominant. So they were the the best team that got upset. But quality of competition, I think Columbus was better than all those other teams relative. So. I just because Tampa got the win record, I and and the fact that they didn't just lose, they got swept. I tend to think, yeah, this is probably the biggest. Because again, if Columbus had won this in seven, I wouldn't even be having this debate right now. No, no. But the fact that Columbus swept them, and there there was nothing that was uncovered here where we all went, no, we were looking at Tampa with rose colored you know glasses, and there's things that we were ignoring, and there's these gaping holes. No, like. Tampa was and should have been an absolute buzzsaw. They, like, every team in the East went, if we want to go to the Cup, we're going to have to go through Tampa at one point. You would be remiss in not saying that as a general manager or a coach looking forward to what your team is going to do on a Cup run. It's just the reality of it. Biggest upset in NHL history, without a doubt. I, I think the slow burn of it all, the fact that it happens over the course of nine days or whatever, kind of takes away from the impact. It was uh, six it, days. Six days. Oh my god. <laughs> Six days feels like nine. Yeah, the playoffs week. started last Wednesday and Tampa was out by Tuesday. <sighs> well, they uh, everyone in Tampa Bay aged five years in those six days. I'm gonna yeah. give you. So and the, they've actually missed a lot of their And the now. funny thing is too, we can't even go with the traditional um tagline when a team gets upset, like grit and character. Because if you look at the stats from the regular season. Between Tampa and Columbus, one of the two teams was top 10 in block shots and hits, and one of the teams was bottom 10 in both those stats. And Tampa was the one that was top 10 in, air quotations, grit factor. Of course. So, which makes it even crazier. Columbus had literally nothing going for them going into the series against Tampa. They didn't have better offense. They didn't have better defense. They didn't have better goaltending. And they didn't have, air quotations, better intangibles. Uh, Boston, Toronto, biggest toss-up right now? Yeah, well, Kadri being out certainly didn't have help. Have we talked about that? We have not, I don't believe. 
stupid. No, no, we talked about it. We Did we? Oh, yeah, yeah. the the decision had been rendered. The incident happened, but the yeah. the suspension hadn't been handed down. Now, I I got a lot of people saying if that only ends up being three or four games, that's not enough. You know what? I can see that argument, but I do like the statement Department of Player Safety is making, yeah. saying enough of this crap. We're not dealing with it anymore. As long as your team's, we can't trust you to not do something stupid. You're sitting. Get well, it. depending how this goes, it, you can say, "Well, he only got suspended for four games, or he got suspended for the rest of the season." <laughs> and that's what well, that's what they'll look back on. Right now, this is not a game where Austin Matthews or, or Pasternak are going to be the the storyline. It's a game of inches. You want your Trevor Moores, your your Dermots, your Danton Heinens to be the ones to to inch your team past. That's such a Mike Babcock thing to say, and I know it. And I'm not saying those are the most important players, but those will be the ones with the story. That's just how that's how tightly matched these teams are. Yeah, because Matthews and Marner have had huge series for Toronto. Tavares has been a little quiet, but Marchand, Bergeron, Pasternak, they've put their stamp on the series. So it looks like the big guns are canceling each other. You talk about William Nylander. Sorry, I was on mm-hmm. Lululemon. <laughs> is there a good sale right okay, now? Okay, so good sale. I always have a good sale. I got an inside insider. Does Cat work there? No. Oh. Anyway. Got an insider. He just puts in uh, um, code sale 10 until yeah. one of them works. Code sale 100. Uh, have we talked about what about Nylander? Uh, I think he, he goes to kids' events and dresses up as a ghost because he sure looks like one on the ice. I. Do not understand. Every, he has the biggest target on his back because what? He signed a... He said he is... Well, he didn't say, but his agent basically made it known that he is equivalent to David Pasternak, and he clearly is not. His agent was negotiating a contract. Yeah, but still. Now everybody looks at it like that. He's making... It's, some... not, it's not our... Not our... People's fault for, for thinking that when that's all that people talk about. It's I the comparison. swear Toronto media never learns. You got rid of Reimer. You drove away Kessel. You're really going to do this right now to to William Nylander? Didn't he score this series? I thought he has a goal. He has a goal. I think. Yeah, he has a goal. How many does Pasternak have? uh, Okay, he's making $7 million. There's guys on this team that are making 10 and a half, 11. Marner's about to make probably nearly that much. The the target on Nylander's back because he put Toronto fans through a little bit of stress this year is hysterical. Hysterical. Yes, would you like him to be playing better? Sure. I thought Matthews had a uh, slow start to the series. I thought he was rather invisible until he got a pot, that power play goal. Uh, if Nylander, if you look at your team and say, hey, this one star that's probably our third best of our superstars. Fourth, 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 third fourth, best. Sorry, fourth. I was forgetting one of them. Uh, fifth? Behind. You, well, you've got Matthews, Marner, Cowboy, Tavares, maybe? Riley. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll count four. I won't. I won't put defense. I won't give Neil under that much of a break. But the guy who's number four in your hierarchy of of we have this stellar offense, and you're going to pin it on him. There's other crap going wrong in the series. Well, I don't think anyone's pinning anything on him. They just eh, expect yeah, t- more after all that. Tavares isn't getting nearly enough crap this series. Matthews and Marner have been great. Marner especially. There's no debate now after watching these four games plus the regular season that Marner's next contract, his cap it starts with a one. Those two blocks. Oh, are yeah. the epitome of playoff hot. I almost bought a uh, Marner jersey after yeah. that. His, his next cap hits starting with a one, and yeah. then you're just negotiating up from there. 100%. Remember when Lee fans are... dollar. Oh, my God, he's right. $10? You're hired. <laughs> remember remember when Lee fans thought they were going to keep Marner for eight to eight and a half per year? <laughs> yeah. He's going to be asking for 12. Not unless it's Doug Ford... It's going to start get... at max, yeah. and it's going to work its way around that. Not unless Doug Ford gets rid of all the income tax in Ontario tomorrow, will they get that? That's yeah. true. Um, that series, I, I actually couldn't tell. I still think 
I would still favor the Leafs, but well, do you really want to win that series? You're going to run into the buzzsaw that we've been talking about all year. That is Columbus. Absolutely. <laughs> um, this next one is going to be a sensitive topic, and it's it's uh, Washington, Carolina. The, the fight between Sveshnikov and Ovechkin. What's sensitive about it? Well, the, there's, know, there's different You opinions. have not been on Twitter this no, week. He's never been on Twitter. <laughs> I don't, I people, don't read it. <laughs> people were angry at both of them for different reasons. Yeah, and you know what? I, I saw a lot of the polarization that tends to happen on Twitter, which you almost can't avoid. Quick update on that series before we talk about the series. Uh, as of this moment, that series is now tied. Oh, yeah? Carolina won? Carolina won. Um, so it's 2-2 in that series now. Carolina winning both games at home to bring it Hockey back. Hockey Town. Even. No. No. God. That's the first. That's the most offensive thing that happened, if we're talking about that. I used the dog to reply to that tweet. Yes. I was <laughs> heaving. <laughs> uh, so what happened, for those of you who've been living under a rock? Um, uh, so Evan can appreciate. Andrei Svechnikov. A, I just replied to the tweet with that picture. Andre Sve- oh, I did see that. That was <laughs> yeah. funny. Sveshnikov, I, I guess, had been going at it with uh, Ovechkin a bunch over the series. Um, they skated past each other. One of them gave the other a hit. Uh, Sveshnikov slashed him. Ovechkin cross-checked him back. Sveshnikov slashed him and approached him. And then they were very clearly nodding. And I don't want to say definitively because there's no mics and you can't say definitively, but almost definitely Svechnikov asked for the fight. And Ovechkin went, yeah? And Svechnikov went, yeah. And Ovechkin dropped him and they were both throwing bombs and then Ovechkin knocked him out. It was a 19-year-old kid, 18-year-old kid, however old he is, fighting a 33-year-old man who had like 40 pounds on him. A 33-year-old cyborg, right? Yeah. That was never going to go any other way. Um, it was scary. The momentum of the fight drove them even farther downwards, uh, exacerbating the the impact of Svechnikov's head on the ice. Actually, I think Ovechkin held him up a little bit. He did. He tried. <laughs> it's hard when you're punch. Like he was throwing a punch again. Like he had already wound up without realizing he knocked uh, Svechnikov out. So he fell on top of him, but you could see him hold his chest up. Yeah, the like, best you can do. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm not going to say Ovechkin was a white knight. He got into a fight and knocked a kid clean out. Like whatever. Um. For, so for the people saying he drove his head into the ice, that's not what happened. Uh, and it sucked. It made me sick. It makes me sick every time I see a head impact like that, especially on a star and on anyone, but on a superstar player like Svechnikov is poised to be. You don't want to see that. At the end of the day, Svechnikov made the decision to challenge Alex Ovechkin to the fight. I've seen some takes saying bad look from Ovechkin taking that fight. He should have skated away. Here's my opinion. And I, I'll hear an argument to the contrary. Ovechkin isn't his caretaker. He's not his dad. He's not his nanny. He's just his idol. (laughs) 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 He has absolutely no responsibility to walk away from that fight. Would it have been classy of him? Sure. Is is the onus on him to walk away from that fight? Not even remotely. This is a performance sport. And it's a physical sport, and it's a win at all cost sport. And it's even the, the playoffs. playoffs. And if you outmatch some a star player on the other team in a fight, and you have all right to take it because if you win that fight, and unfortunately he got hurt, you have a tactical advantage now. I know that sounds horrible. That, that sounds, sounds so bad, but it's true. You you look at another star on a team, and you know you can probably beat the living hell out of them. You know what? You, we don't have the professional athlete mindset to, to understand what's happening at that time. All this testosterone's flowing through you. You know what? If someone who's smaller than you, who you know you can beat up, 
challenges you to a fight in a playoff game where the stakes are always super high, I don't know how you say no. Now, here's the thing. A lot of you... Are- it's not like he just walked up to him and was like, let's fight. He, he clearly no. No, po- it- poked the Russian bear. Well, that was our, I think, the first Russian fight in like two decades or something, something like that. The next, the next uh, Olympics are going to be awkward. Yes. Yeah. Now there, why there's no NHL players will be there. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. There's uh, going to be people who don't like that opinion, Evan. And what they'll say is, this is why fighting should be banned. If it is you, banned. You if, get a, you get penalized for fighting. If you're someone who thinks fighting should be removed from the sport completely, you have a valid argument. You have a valid argument. And if you say the head injury to uh, Sveshnikov is a perfect example of why it should be removed, that is an absolutely valid argument. I can't sit here in good conscience and say I would completely argue against that either. I'm I'm one of those I, – I, I'm here and there on it. But this whole fight and Ovechkin accepting the fight is not the soapbox for it. That's where I am. Yeah, I, it's – yeah, I, I totally get it and it looks horrible. And Ovechkin doesn't, didn't want – like he said – he. He hopes There's he's nobody not hurt. who feels worse than Ovechkin for like, doing this. Yeah, no, like I don't think Ovechkin went to that fight saying I want to hurt this guy and take him out of the game. But I think in the heat of the moment, said if this little like little shit's gonna like challenge me to a fight, I'll show him who's boss. Like you're gonna exactly. walk into this league and challenge me to a fight? No, like welcome to the show, kid. I think you know that's what, this, what his mindset was. This is not midget hockey. This is the the big boy league where, yeah. where you put your big boy pants on, and those are those are the risks that you assume. By playing the sport and 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 going into a fight, it very well could have went the other way, where he beats the hell out of Ovechkin, and Ovechkin lands on his head. Now, he I don't think th- that would affect Ovechkin at all. No, but but, but it, it could have went the other way, and, and that's what people are ignoring. Svechnikov was also throwing haymakers. Oh, he landed one straight down, like right in his nose, and yeah. he didn't even flinch. <laughs> yeah, that well, guy, that's because that guy is a fridge. <laughs> that- <laughs> That can just move really fast and can score goals. Russian machine never break. Honestly. It it looks bad, and I, I totally get people wanting fighting out of the league, but... This isn't it. This isn't the time to talk about it. Why don't we talk about how some kid just had a horrible injury? I think the fight was completely stupid, but for entirely different reasons that everybody was arguing. If I'm the coach of either of those teams, I'm pissed. I don't want Ovechkin in the box for five minutes and risking a concussion, and I don't want Svechnikov in the box the for five minutes. The only damning part for Washington was having Ovechkin on the in the penalty box for five minutes. Yeah, I would not. Because there's no way Ovechkin was getting hurt. <laughs> if I, if that was, I don't know. I'm trying to pick two fourth liners here, like Lucas Walmark versus Ryan Chris, Reeves, <laughs> Christian Juice. I couldn't care less. But, yeah, if I'm the coach of those teams, these are not the guys I want to take out of the game for five minutes and no, possibly longer. I haven't heard anybody talking about getting fighting out of the league when Ryan Reeves and Evander Kane are going at it. Everybody's talking about how oh, they've been chirping each other, chirping each other, and then they finally fought. It very well could have ended the exact same way. No one really talks about it. I mean, no one wants to see a 30-goal scorer fighting Ryan Reeves or anyone fighting Ryan Reeves. Hey, Ryan Reeves is like a seven-goal scorer. But still, oh, you know... First round, was it a first for Ryan Reeves? Did yeah. They, yeah. Um, we're going to move on from this series. We're not going to talk about the Islanders and the Penguins because Penguins just got cleaned out completely. Yeah. Huda, and everybody's like, oh, I saw this coming. You did not see Robin Leonard putting up a 946 stop. Someone went after, uh, it was Hornquist, went after Robin Leonard, and I went, really? You're going to look Robin Leonard in the eyes and think, yeah, I should strike this man. That's, that's <laughs> the one guy on that team, other than, does, is it Matt Martin? Plays Matt Martin, yeah. yeah. 
Those are the two guys I would not go after. And there's a guarantee that Matt Martin is almost never on the ice. I would rather fight Matt Martin than Robin Lee. Yeah. Me too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Me too. Um, in the series that demonstrates the I told you so the most, uh, San Jose versus Vegas. Vegas is, I, I'm honestly confident that they're going to take it tonight. This is the thing. Vegas is down 3-1 to San Jose. Or, sorry, San Jose is down 3-1 to Vegas. San Jose is not playing terrible hockey. Martin Jones has PTSD. They are getting the worst goaltending I've seen in the first a first round playoff in some time. They Har- had Ken Holland on the phone for God's <laughs> sake. They were literally making a trade. Both versions of Evan have said the same thing now. <laughs> they they knew their goaltending wasn't going to be good, and their goaltending stunk all year. I, we it, have a comp. <laughs> we had Howard that would you know send Gus with him. It's a nice little party. We'll take some. We'll take a second. We'll take a second. I was in a nice little Twitter thread where people were like just absolutely ripping on Eric Carlson for Alex Tuck's goals last game, where Brent Burns turned the puck over and Alex Tuck is coming in with a full head of steam as Eric Carlson skating forward and then immediately has to pivot backwards and like, oh, see, he got burned. There was nothing he could do there other than take a penalty, and also Martin Jones should have stopped that. Martin Eric- Jones might quit hockey. Uh, I like would you, not be surprised to see him kind of like, out of the league for a little bit. He like ran away. Like, like if you found the quiet room. Yeah. If you want a tell as to how bad this has gotten, there was a play in the last game where a minute into the game, Max Pacioretty took a drop pass in the top from the top of the circles in the offensive zone and just took a wrist shot. No screen. N- nice easy shot. He took so he's he's thinking. I'm shooting. From the top of the circles with a wrist shot on an NHL goalie. And the crazy thing is, it went in. <laughs> that line has been unreal. Yeah. Is it Patriotty Stone Stasny? Yeah. The top line? That line is nuts. Vegas was nuts before they got Stone. And then they got Stone, who, like, by every metric available and the eye test and just like how you feel about people generally in the world, is like one of the most perfect players in hockey right now. And he made everyone else even better than the amazing that they already were. I honestly have a hard time seeing Vegas lose. There was a point after game three um, of all of all series where Mark Stone was outscoring the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah. Think about that. If if Vegas wins the cup, Mark Stone's going to be the con Smythe. Oh, yeah. And look at the look at who's left in the playoffs right now. <laughs> Look at who's left in the playoffs right now. Where's the Calgary ball? might be out. <laughs> no, Mika. Vegas. If Calgary gets knocked out, Vegas might be the favorite to win the cup. Colorado has been better than Calgary in every single one of those games. They so have far. over a hundred shots in the last two games combined. Let's talk about that series. Nathan McKinnon over the past two years has emerged as a superstar that he is. People do the same thing with him that they do with too many other first overall picks where they gave up on him too early. He's a legitimate probably top five forward in the NHL. Maybe you can make that argument. That's being um, conservative. Um, Calgary looks out of sorts. You have Mike Smith playing well right now. That doesn't happen usually. And you're wasting it by all of a sudden playing terribly when you just won the West. Yeah, we haven't, uh, haven't seen much from Monaghan. Goudreau has been invisible. Colorado's one line. They have one line. Whoever they draft fourth overall this year will be their second line center. Like, that's how many lines they have one good line. Bowen Byram, second line center. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> if they're, and, and that's in like an exaggeration. Obviously, Colorado has other players who are contributing. 
but Nathan but not McKinnon, really. <laughs> no, Nathan McKinnon is running a tra- Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen and Landis Cog, Landis Cog are running a train. Yeah, on yeah, Calgary that's right absurd. now. You have to be so disappointed if you're Cal. They have to get their head in it. Now, to be fair, these are the playoffs of, un- of playoffs of unpredictability. So even though San Jose and Calgary are down three one, I wouldn't be shocked if either of those teams came back. Uh, yeah. More so. I put my money Calgary, more on but, Calgary. Yeah, because Martin Jones is still a thing. But that game starts in 13 minutes as of right now when we're recording. And somehow Martin Jones has already given up two. <laughs> he was on he was the pull- phone. He was pulled in the warm-up. He was on the phone. Fo- and he's oh, that's right. He's starting for game five. Yeah. Yeah. Which bold. If this one doesn't go well, oh. Oh, Peter oh. DeBoer's on the hot seat. Well, what's he supposed to do? His backup is Aaron Dell, who's been playing hmm, just as bad. Yeah, but uh, how does Doug Wilson... Okay, Peter DeBoer is a fantastic coach, one of the best in the NHL. But man, heads are going to roll if San Jose gets Brent Burns, Mark Edward Vlasic, Eric Carlson, Gus Nyquist. If this team doesn't get out of the first round, if this team goes out in the first round in five games, something's going to have to happen there. And let's not forget, Joe Thornton, Joe Pavelski, Eric Carlson, unrestricted free agents. Can I say something here? No. Playoff format. I don't think San Jose and Vegas should have been playing first round. No. Toronto and Boston shouldn't have been playing each other. I like and it was unfair that Tampa ran into the buzzsaw that was the Columbus Blue Jackets. But <laughs> we're here not we gonna are. let this go. <laughs> we are not gonna let this go. We are telling you right now, so don't be surprised. When I make this exact same joke again in August, you will appreciate it. Anyways. You know we're committed to a joke when I don't ca- call Brad off of it. <laughs> um yeah, Calgary, Colorado. But again, can we say platform format? Because who's the eighth seed in the West? Colorado. And they're running through Calgary. So, But yeah, fair. <laughs> fair. Who, That's a great point against me. Who is the other wild card? Dallas. Oh, right. They just tied the series against Nashville. Everything means nothing. Maybe um, Nashville should score a power play goal. Their power play is horrible. They haven't scored horrible. one yet. Nashville is kind of a victim of bad luck because they did acquire a line who is now out with an injury week to week. So... Wayne really? Simmons. He's out week to week. So is Brian Boyle. They're two deadline acquisitions. Well, uh, to be honest, they've got a lot of weapons outside of those two players that, that not a, makes not, it inexcusable. Not up front, they don't. Ryan Ellis, yikes. He's a yikes right now. Uh, send him over our way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll take him off hey, your hands. You never know. That series is another one where Nashville, if you start at the beginning of the season, you would have said, yeah, Nashville's going to run it. But you, Dallas had a very convincing win last night. Was it five? That's exactly the type of town Tyler Sagan thrives in. Oh, absolutely! Country girls, absolutely. (laughs) He would love, love uh, the what's our country bar here? Dallas. It's called Dallas, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, (laughs) that wasn't even planned. Um, Winnipeg, St. Louis is probably the most underrated series of this playoffs. It's been fantastic. The games just have started too late for most of us, and that's why I've been very tired at work this week. Oh, Uh, I've been tired because of Vegas. The. Goalies have been the story of the series for a lot of the, the games. Uh, Bennington <laughs> both and, good and bad. Go both good and bad. The last game, the goalies were standing on their heads. Um, Winnipeg is a fantastic team who's running into probably the hottest team in the NHL in St. Louis, but they've still been making their case. Which reference point before you finish your point? Uh, we're recording this in the second period of game five and Winnipeg's up to nothing. So obviously that game will be whatever it is by the time you're listening to this. The series will be three, two by the time you're listening to this yeah. or depending on how late you listen. We to just won't know for who. Yeah. So that that's actually a fantastic series. I would have the winner of that series moving on to the conference finals, beating whoever comes out of Nashville and Dallas. But 
can I pretend that any of these playoffs have been predictable? Absolutely not. All right, yeah. raise your hand if you had Tampa Bay winning your bracket. Winning the cup? Yeah. You had Calgary. I had Calgary. <laughs> <laughs> Brad is hanging on to his last shred of dignity here. Evan and I have already given it up. Yeah. yeah. Pants uh, on my, I, you know what? I don't even care about my bracket because I'd rather see something interesting yeah. happen. Okay. So if we assume Calgary loses, I've two of my conference finalists are still alive. I think I had uh, Tampa taking out Washington and... Uh, Calgary taking out Winnipeg. So I'm still in this to win it. Although I really would not bet against Vegas right now. I think I went... I Man, had... we could have a repeat Winnipeg-Vegas conference finals, and I'm here for it. Oh, absolutely, I would be. And I don't think it would go in va- uh, Winnipeg's f- favor again. I don't know, man. Winnipeg, if they win tonight, that's three in a row. That's some serious momentum. That's true. Uh, moving on from that, the uh, we're going to have uh, Prashanth Iyer on the podcast soon. We were supposed to have him on recently, um, but we had to reschedule. Uh, and I'm actually happy we did because he put out a great article on Winging in Motown about um, his basically his write-up on what he thinks the Red Wings offseason plan should be. Um, <laughs> I like the one response to it. Get rid of bad players, acquire good players. It's <laughs> too hot of a take for me. We're actually going to keep that off the show. <laughs> we don't go that in depth here. Um, you guys should definitely read it. I don't want to dive too far into it um, but he, because we want to talk about it with him. But there is one thing I want to mention. Um, the draft plan that he had laid out, he did present the opportunity or the possibility. And we're going to work with some hypotheticals here because I don't think the scenario is likely. Say there's two teams in the top 10 with... Um, two first round picks it's buffalo at seven and anaheim at nine i believe it's nine um if presented with the opportunity to trade back to either of those positions and acquire the extra first in return in the trade would you do it if you're the red buffalo seven yeah i don't even think twice about buffalo anaheim i would have to see who's off the board at the time of our pick because for me again center every like we're talking peyton krebs is the best player available there i would at best if Peyton Krebs is the BPA at nine and it's shaping up that way, I would say no. Yeah. Yeah. I, there's there's seven players I like enough in this draft that if Buffalo really has their guy their eye on a guy and Detroit had to flip-flop there, I'm good with it because I'm still going to get one of the guys I deem to be an exceptional player in this draft. Uh, after that, there's, there's players I still think are really good, but I don't. Although, man, even though Red Wings don't need that type of player... Oh, the U18 started saying Cole Caulfield started with a hat trick. Cole Caulfield. Oh, my looks, God. That guy has a scorer's instinct. I hate comparisons to NHL players who are just breaking out now. I think it's foolish, and I think it sets expectations far too high. But it's all the makings of another Debrinket situation. But the nice thing is no one's going to pass over Cole Caulfield this time. No, Cole Caulfield has, in games that he's played with USNTDP and the US national team, he has 115 goals in 116 games. It's that's, not a fluke. That's comical. It's not a fluke. If he falls out of the top 10, the NHL needs to fold. That's criminal. Well, that's this is the thing. Cole Caulfield, you would have seen him at anywhere from 12 to 17 in rankings throughout the year. Even a lot of respected rankings now have him 14. I don't see him going later than 9. I think I have him in my top 10, but before I talk about my ass, I'm going to go check to confirm my list. I, I have a, a close friend of mine who knows his stuff who uh, is a Philadelphia Flyers fan, fan. Bless him. Okay. Just so people know I'm not talking about my ass. Ryan, where do I have Cole Caulfield? Uh, number one, Brad. Why? Look at me go. Nine. Nine. Yeah. So there we go. So I don't think he's going to fall to Philly. I don't think he'll make it there. 
Do I, you think someone reaches and he goes top five? I don't this think is the like, draft for I'm, anything wacky to happen. This is the one. Every player from three to ten in my mind makes a case for any pick from three to ten. I agree, but here's the one, the one thing Cole Caulfield has going against him relative to the rest of this draft. Yeah, he doesn't eat chocolate. He hates chocolate. Yes, monster. He's a winger. When you look at outside of Kako and Pod Colson, who we can agree are exceptional talents, everybody else that's likely going in the top eight is a center or a defenseman. Mm-hmm. So as much as I love Cole Caulfield, if it's still if he's still sitting there and we're looking at Zegris or Turcotte, I'm probably still going with Zegris or Turcotte. But, uh, or I saw Zegris as low as 20-something the other day on a different list, which I was surprised by. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, I saw Broberg like late. I saw Broberg. Broberg's all over the map now because a lot of people don't believe in his offensive upside. His hockey IQ, if you will, because he can skate like the wind. Nobody's going to argue that. But USA ran a truck over Sweden today. Yes, they, they were did. doing. It was like USA was playing one of the weaker player, uh, weaker teams in their league. Turcotte had a couple points. Turcotte had a couple points. I don't think Zekers was playing. Uh, no, he wasn't. He's hurt. They're hoping he can be back for the tournament. Turcotte looked good. Uh, York and Caulfield were truly the stars, though. Yeah, York and Caulfield looked fantastic. Caulfield the most. York was like. It's easy to see why York rose so much early in in the middle of the season. Okay, so I'm going to address something else here about the draft that a lot of people have been tweeting at me. So do not, nobody take this as a shot at you. A lot of people have been tweeting this at me, probably a dozen or so over the last two weeks. And it does lead me to the one bit of Red Wings news that came out this week that I completely forgot uh, when we were getting our show prep because it happened a few days ago now. So back to the preface of trading back. No, the Red Wings are not going to trade back to take Spencer Knight. Oh, God. Yeah, no. That is not happening. That doesn't make sense. It makes even less sense knowing what we know now, which is the Red Wings just pulled Philip Larson out of the NCAA early and signed him to his professional contract, and he's going to be with the Griffins next year at 20 years old. Old. He put up a 941 save percentage two years ago with Tri-State in the USHL and then went into his freshman season at Denver, got to the Frozen Four, and over the course of the season put up a 930 save percentage. Goalies are voodoo and nothing is certain, but holy hell, there is nothing out there right now that would state that Philip Larson isn't the Red Wings' plan to be their number one goalie in three years. The Red Wings have committed in a big way. This is an aggressive move from them, signing Larson and immediately giving giving him the opportunity to play in Grand Rapids. As a 20-year... Well, he might be 21 by the time the season starts, but that's still nuts. And they're signifying that they want him to get meaningful games. What they're saying is, for the next two years, develop in Grand Rapids. Year three, we don't want to play this extend a vet with two goalies. We might do it with one of Howard or Bernie, depending on where they're at, but you're going to be the number two there in Let, three years. Let's be clear. What this signifies to me with the contract Howard just got and the fact they pulled Larson out of the NCAA is Detroit is going to keep giving Jimmy Howard one-year contracts until Larson is ready. Yeah. So if you're on the night train, you need to start putting a lot of time and effort into watching some Philip Larson film. Uh, so I was talking to Max and he said, Hey, you know what I realized? I was like, what? He goes, remember when I dropped that news on the podcast with all those Red Wing scouts at the Vegas, Colorado game, they were literally just in the neighborhood. They were going to watch Larson. Yep. Which is so anticlimactic, but makes so much sense. Yep. But we still appreciate him breaking the news on the podcast. It's fantastic. And Hey, it was a precursor to, cause again, I thought 
if you had asked me a week ago, literally a week ago, right as soon as Denver season ended, do you think Philip Larson's going back to Denver for another year? I would have said 85% certainty, yeah, he's going back. Detroit's not going to pull him early. He's a goalie. He needs development. But man, a 930 as a freshman. And what, he pitched two shutouts in the tournament yeah, to get two the... two consecutive. Two consecutive to get Denver to the Frozen Four. I know Denver's a strong team, but still, holy hell. Literally anything can happen with goalie development. Take a look at literally any young goalie in the league. But this is look. it looks good for Detroit. Yeah. This is this is a fantastic development. Um, we should probably move to overtime. Apparently, they're chanting "You look nervous" at to Bennington in the game right now. <laughs> oh boy! Um, some quick hits. The the men, the world is the world championships right now. I can't remember. I can't yeah. keep track. Uh, Neither the, can they. They're neck deep in booze. I bet the Americans are going to be coached by Blashill with Dylan Larkin and Luke Glenn Denning on that team. Where's uh, the ablocator? Oh, I don't think he made the cut, man. What? Yeah, hate to break it to you. Um, f- Coach Quenville uh, got hired in Florida a while back now. Vigno went to Philadelphia, and McClellan went to Los Angeles. Am yeah, I getting that bad. all right? Not bad. Was that McClellan, Todd? Yeah. Yep, Todd McClellan. All of them, almost all of them are rumored to be on something similar to five years, $25 million contracts. Vigno got that? Yeah. Quenville has uh, an opportunity for bonuses. A, a fun little caveat about coaching contracts, which is becoming more and more common. Um, those bonuses, when they kick in, they stick to the every remaining year of the contract. Wow. So if you have a $1 million bonus and you're making Ooh. $5 million a year and you win the cup in your first year, every other every remaining year of your contract, you're going to be making $6 million. If the Red Wings win a cup in three years, I'm comfortable playing Jeff Blaschel $15 million a year. Oh, yeah. That's what it takes. Um you know, if you really care about your owner's money, you can get up in arms about how much the paying coaches. There's but. no salary cap for management and coaching. Pay them whatever the hell you want, and yeah. I have no opinions on the matter. Yeah, I'm happy they got the bag, and that's pretty much it. My buddy ran into Joe Quanville down in Florida. Oh, yeah? The he same day he uh, was announced. It was really it. weird. You can tell he's from Windsor because of how much he loves Florida. Windsor Snowbirds are very committed to Florida. That's like, that is their grind right there. There's yeah. No surprise. Is Windsor like Florida? No. Uh, Windsor no. man? Is there a Windsor man? No, Windsor's too... It there's gets a, too cold. A lot of angry old people, muted. though. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, there's angry old people everywhere now, though. Isn't that the whole thing? Yeah, but that's those true. boomers getting up there, there sure are. I know, we, we do a podcast it. We with ruined boomer. everything. Yeah, that's true, we do. <laughs> Uh, we should head into overtime, uh, which of course is brought to you uh, by your Patreon uh, subscribers, who are the people who make this show happen. And as our way of saying thanks, these midweek episodes, only their comments get read out on air. Midweek, even though it's, uh, you guys have tomorrow off? Yeah. Yeah. It's good Friday. That's throwing me off midweek. It's not. It's a Friday. Well, we have to get Allison on. That's and, right. Uh, we're going to start with Philip Gastineau. Uh We didn't read out everyone's comments. I said we might be able to take one or two for Allison. Uh, she was actually doing that interview from her car. Um, there's a lot of interviews that people do with us where they do it from their car, bless them. So, uh, we didn't want to keep her too long. Phil says, hi, Allison. Have you noticed a difference in the community now since Columbus went up three, nothing in the series? Oh man, what an update. They've won. And she also, that's actually the first question we asked her. Isn't it a well-kept secret that Columbus isn't a big hockey town? Also, what's the craziest thing you saw someone on or off the team do after sweeping the lightning? Uh, before sweeping the lightning, the Columbus players were taunting the lightning players during the warm up, pretending their sticks were brooms. Which was hysterical to see. Are we not 
going to go with uh, our good buddy Sam here. Oh, my God. Who has the first Ohio Battery logo tattooed on his ass now because of something he said in the first round? Sam Blazer, who uh, still writes for Wing Station, or he's on Ohio Battery? No, he was just he was just helped get the site launched. Uh, good friend of ours uh, tweeted out, and I'm sure you've all seen it, um, that if Columbus came back and win, won this game, which was game one when they were down 3 nothing in the first, he would get the uh, first Ohio battery. First Ohio battery logo tattooed on his ass. And boy, did they ever come back and win. And boy, did he ever get that tattoo right on his butt. Yeah, I was not prepared to see Sam Blazer's ass this week, but here we are. I actually had to wait far too long. Nice butt. <laughs> Good tattoo. Uh, during our live stream, a couple people said if we won the first or second pick, they'd get the Winged Wheel podcast tattoo. So I don't think we're too far from a Winged Wheel podcast tattoo on someone. <laughs> if any of you have one in secret, let us know. Do you see Panarin's handshake with yeah, Kucherov? Oh, yeah. my God. So Kucherov was having none I of was that. so cringy. You see someone ask Kuch if he learned his lesson from his suspension. He was just so done with the questions. He went, no. <laughs> I love that though. Be angry. Yeah, be pissed off. Although, don't be so pissed off where you make those boneheaded decisions. But be pissed off. Yeah, I uh, love it. I love it when like after a game. And again, we have lots of friends who are reporters in the rooms, and I understand their jobs hard. But when players are just like after a tough loss, royally angry, and you can just see it, and they're giving those type of answers, those are the interviews I want to see. <laughs> uh, thank you, Garrett TV, for giving us the fantastic question for uh, Allison about the. Uh, Game of Thrones characters. Um, some other ones we didn't get to. Who's Theon Greyjoy in the NHL? Theon Greyjoy? Yeah. Oh. Slash Reek. Like, who's been... Oh, man. <laughs> so who was... Like, so this is almost to be a bit of a redemption story then, doesn't it? Yeah. Who's so, on a redemption arc right now? Who is just... Tom Wilson? No, no, no. Tom Wilson is... We didn't feel bad no. for Tom Wilson. I've never felt bad for Theon Greyjoy. I actually hate that character more than anyone. That's I can't not- stand him. Oh, God, I have to forgive him this season, and I'm not ready. So, redemption arc in the NHL. Someone who's really, their game has fallen off, but they found a way to be useful. Someone who really, really (sighs) fell off and isn't earning the money that they're being paid. Kind of like what Ryan Kessler wants to be. Man, so I'm almost just trying to pick out, like, bad contracts, which are Dustin Brown. Kind of looks like him a little bit. He's not in the playoffs. Not in the oh, playoffs. It doesn't have to be in the playoffs. Doesn't have to be in the playoffs. Yeah, it says playoffs. Oh, yeah. okay. Never mind. Well, hard to say. Who's uh, Drogon? <laughs> Mark Stone. Yeah, it's definitely Mark Stone right now. Uh, Sansa. There are no women in the NHL. Brad Marchand. That wasn't a. What that wasn't a woman. So though. like the, a, a snarky, who doesn't trust anyone. Someone who survived a lot and now who doesn't trust. Someone who's evil. So, okay. So someone who's been through some crap and has now become a very, air quotations, gritty player Somewhere there's someone yelling into their listening device. Who's a beleaguered goalie? Who's a goalie who's been through a lot of crap? Henrik Lundqvist. Not in the playoffs. Oh, man. Dude, man, he's got a cup final loss, a game seven loss in the conference. Like, man, he's, he's been through some shit with that team. Uh, Nick Putty says, hey, guys, going off someone's comment last week and thinking uh, about getting a dub-dub hockey game. Stay tuned. I've uh, been thinking about if you guys would like to put together a pond hockey team, either stateside or on your side of the border. I know there's a good-sized tournament in Eagle River, Wisconsin, but that might be a bit further than you guys would travel. If there's interest, you guys, couple could potentially put together a draft between the three of you for us. I know I'd sign up for it. Oh, man. That would be fun, but here's the weird part. It would actually be harder to coordinate an outdoor game than an indoor game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Although, if we could ever just get a pond hockey, we would love to get out on like a pond with you guys. I don't know if about like an like, actual organized team, but if it ever, if we're ever like if we ever have the opportunity, keep that in mind. Uh, Evan Beckner says, "Gentlemen, I'm sure you've commented on it, but I've just finished Prashant's latest article and it got me thinking. We all know that most likely the Wings aren't going to be very good next year, so instead of trying to make a big splash in free agency this summer, wouldn't it be better uh, to try and take on bad contracts for assets? There's a few teams in dire need of cap relief." Tampa, Toronto, that have guys on bloated contracts that expire after next season, like Ryan Callahan. Should the Wings explore these options, mm. or are roster spots more valuable than the assets at this point? If if I'm Kenny, I'll, I would be calling every team close to the cap. I think it's a good approach, but the catch-22 right now is the roster spots are pretty important to Detroit right now. So if the plan is to take on the contract and then just bury the guy in the minors, I'm all for it but if we take on a ryan callahan and that's going to bump hypothetically taro hirose to grand rapids even though he's ready for the nhl i'm not for it i would be fine if the asset coming back was good yeah again everything has a cost if we get an extra first round pick if it means banishing hirose to grand rapids for another year i do that in a heartbeat i think second would be worth it hirose will still see the ice time because of injuries yeah 100%. So, again, I'm using Hiroshi as an example. It's going to be whoever comes in and has a good camp. Yeah. But, you know. As long as this, yeah. Yeah, if Svechnikov comes in and has a monster camp getting ready for his inevitable fight with Ovechkin. Oh, God. Two-for-one funerals. He put put out that Instagram post. Yeah. you see that the league came after him for that? What? Yeah, Bill Daly said, we'll we'll deal with that in kind. Like, that's stupid. Like, you're really going to go after that? The NHL needs more hatred. I love it. I mean, so dumb. I don't think I don't don't think Svechnikov would win that fight. Either, no, no, but, he would get torched. But, but still, I don't. He what he's gonna do is he's just gonna go to Ovechkin into a fight and then throw Luke Witkowski at him. Um, Rowan says, uh, and Allison's obviously not here, but we're gonna read it anyways. Uh, Welcome, Allison, and thank you to your Blue Jackets of Columbus for eviscerating the evil, no good Lightning bolts of Tampa Bay, or as we like to call them, the McNuggets. Credit to at Helmeroids on Twitter, the meme queen. Uh, we recently had a popularity contest, which Ryan won. Would you have voted uh, as uh, who would you have voted as your favorite Winged Wheel podcast host? I think Evan. Probably Evan. <laughs> uh, also, who do you think will she, win? I'm, actually, I might have got the pity vote for when she threw me under the bus on Twitter. Yeah, she did. She was <laughs> telling us about it and she was like, I put that out there and I immediately saw it get a lot of likes and I went, oh shit. <laughs> yeah, because like I knew the joke she meant, she knew the joke she meant, but I we as soon as it started blowing up, she's like, oh, people didn't get this. She put it out there. I was like, ooh, an opportunity for Brad is a dumb joke. I'm here. <laughs> How did I miss that? Yeah. Oh yeah, it was great. Um, also, who do you think will win the Rugby World Cup this year in Japan? Canada, obviously. I'm going to go with Papua New Guinea. Uh, jersey time. Why or why can't the Jackets wear those uh, flash as alt jerseys more often? I love them. I'm not a huge fan of those ones. I, I don't do, like their mains. Man. I do respect that Columbus was the first team to go with that blue, baby blue color scheme like as an alternate. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure. So I, I dig that. But I, I kind of like their current ones. Now, that being said, the OG Columbus jerseys are still the best Columbus jerseys, and I'm still rattled they don't go back to them, but I yeah. still like their current iteration. Uh, bonus jersey time question. I think this is for you, Brad. He says, hey, Nemesis, ask favorite what is in his bag. What's in your bag? Oh, Brad. I was talking to Evan. <laughs> no, no. I'll bring my golf clubs maybe one time. I'll show you what's in the bag. We have here. What the gift. hell is this? All the way from Australia. All the way from Australia. 
What is this? Oh no. It's not gonna it, it's ticking right. <laughs> <laughs> I put it in a bag to protect it. Put it in oh, is this Rowan? You shouldn't have. Uh for those of you who aren't watching oh, on YouTube. Dream come true. Brad just got, he got his... me the barber pole. It looks like oh. it's extra small. It'll probably fit Brad. Too. <laughs> that would fit. Now, the question is, what number do I put on this? 19. 69. It'd be hilarious. Double zeros. I'll put Rowan's name on the back of this. <laughs> this oh, just goes to you show... Do. You do love me. Yeah, even the most hated, hated rivals can come together over some hockey jerseys. The best hockey jerseys. I'm still going to be rattled if this isn't the Red Wings third next year. Oh, I, yeah, you know what? I was seeing it in person. I really love it. So uh, Rowan knew that Brad's... Uh, I guess I should show that to the point that at the camera. Yeah. Right? We're on YouTube now, which I forget every episode. Uh, Brad's current grail jersey was the Red Wings barber pole, and Rowan saw an opportunity to snag one for him, coordinated with me, and want to give it to you on air. Oh, I love it. I've been so excited all episode. This is the best gift that's been given on the Winged Wheel podcast since Ryan downed all the beers I gave him. <laughs> I and guess Brad announced his daughter on the podcast. You did. That this was is, great. This is true. Um, this is true. A close second. A close second. But I knew about that for like three months before. Fair. So I have, uh, I've gotten a couple tips, re- and this is unrelated. I've gotten a couple tips recently before we close out the podcast about people uh, who have talked about sources that they have or claim to have. Um, in varying organizations about Steve Eiserman, and all of them have been some version of he's moving up and Stevie's coming in, or Edmonton is currently stalling to try and get Ken Holland in, and then Stevie will come in. But in some capacity, Steve, they, they, so they claim Eiserman will be on this team soon. Speaking of which, don't read that out loud, but as you're talking about that, one of the guys I was talking to about said subject... Uh, sent an update from another source with the same claim. Stay tuned on Twitter, guys. We'll be uh, we'll be on this when it breaks, if it breaks. Yeah, it's and it's a long weekend. I don't have to work for the next three days. I'm ready. I've, got, I've, got, about this. I've got a couple family Easter dinners, but I will happily blow off my entire family if it means tweeting my about Stevie's been hot return. Lately. Yeah, we know, man. I just randomly get 50 more followers out of nowhere. I hate this guy. Man, I had my most liked tweet of all time this week and grew 10 followers that night, and I was over the moon. My, uh, By the way, I'm getting really close to 2,000, so if anybody's not following me yet, please. Yeah, let's get Brad to 2,000. I'm The podcast account's at two grand now. Podcast account's at two grand. Website's pretty well in the way. If you guys, if you guys haven't listened to our lovely outro and uh, when she reads out our Twitter, ha- Twitter handles, do it. We'd love the follows. It is one nothing sharks a minute and a half in. Oh, Martin Jones scored. They put Martin Jones in the wrong net. Uh, yes. <laughs> we are going to wrap up this week's episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast. We will be back with you on Sunday. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Alice and Lucan, for coming on the show. We'd like to thank our name level sponsors: Sky Carcass, Arjun Shanker, Clayton Van Dyken, Mike Reed, Langabeer, Kalen Wood, Charlie Elkins, Rob Thiel, Stan Olson, Ryan Alant. Ryan Lewis, Dan Bell, and Hannah Lee. Thank you all so much. Have a great long weekend for those of you who have a long weekend, and we will see you on Sunday. Do we take the fact that San Jose's goal was hurdle, assisted by Carlson and Nyquist as a sign? Yeah, we'll take that. 
for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.